it's Friday, and this is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And we're even more excited than usual going into a Friday show, because you always know Friday has a different energy, everybody's getting ready to party, and there's particularly one reason to party tonight in the NBA, and it's James Harden making his debut for the 76ers. Now, the only thing maybe more important to all of society than that is that Sarah's in Arizona hanging out. So, Sarah, let's start. Like, I, I, I'm worried. Like, last night you were worried about me getting my PlayStation. Was I going to be able mm-hmm. to make it through the show? You are currently in Arizona. Now, to set the yes. stage for anybody that doesn't know, I'm in Connecticut. She's in Arizona. I shoveled, I don't know, you know, eight, ten inches. <laughs> it's not, I don't know. Just so much snow. Like, there was shoveling. There was plowing and shoveling and, and plowing. So, did you have to do anything other than bask no. in the glory of Arizona today? No, just landed to a beautiful sunny day. Uh, the only distraction for me, similar to your PS5 situation, is I have already begun to get texts of the people I am here with at the bar with their drinks. Okay. Uh, it, it, the show is mere minutes underway, and I already have severe FOMO. I'm very thirsty all of a sudden, extremely mm. parched, and I'm worried that that's going to continue for the next two hours. Well, just you know, increasingly I- thirsty. If Sarah disappears for eight or ten minutes in the show, I'm sure it's just because there was some sort of uh, pressing agenda that had to be taken care of. Now, the pressing agenda in the NBA tonight is Harden making his 76ers debut. And, I mean, I don't think anything could be more hyped. When you think about how we got here with Philadelphia and the expectations all season long about whether or not Ben Simmons would ever play, and then finally the trade happens. And in the process, not only does Simmons go over, obviously, to the Nets, but Harden leaves what was supposed to become essentially a powerful Voltron-like dream team over there (laughs) to come over now and be paired with Joel Embiid. Now, we've talked a lot about what it means for the East, but a reminder – Sarah, this is a Philly team that's in third place in the Eastern Conference, right in the thick of all of it, that if they can get this together, may have more talent than anybody. Yeah, I mean, this is what's so fascinating about the trade that happened is there is so much potential drama and implosion that could happen if things go terribly wrong. And also you could see some of the superpowers in the NBA click and start to thrive in a way that we haven't yet, and particularly – looking at the Nets, obviously, that are lower in the seed and have, have a lot more work to do here, and a guy in Simmons who's much more of, a, of an unknown quantity there, it, that's maybe more of a question. James Harden, when he wants to be a part of a team and when he's dedicated, is obviously one of the greatest scorers of all time. Joel Embiid is, you know, uh, averaging almost 30 points a game, 11 rebounds, a career high in assists. He's having a tremendous season. So if they find a way to click together and if they can make it work, that Sixers team takes a huge step up and maybe separates itself from the pack. The interesting thing, of course, is to hear the early returns on James Harden being in practice and wanting to compete. Joel Embiid, nothing but sunshine and cinnamon, talking about James Harden and how he's nothing like anything you've ever heard about him at his previous stops. You see all the stories that are out there and all that stuff, and obviously, you know, we all see it. I mean, it's, it's completely different than, you know, what you see out there. He's a great person, uh, great personality, always smiling, you know, fun to be around, everything really. Uh, you know, his presence on the team and on the floor, you know, has really changed uh, a lot. Uh, since he got here. Uh, So I'm just excited for that to continue on the court, and I think he's going to help us a lot. I I can't help but laugh. Yeah, Yeah, of course. (laughs) Let's get some straight talk here brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Like, Sarah, everybody has that friend 
that dates somebody that's crazy. We all know the person, the perpetual like crazy dater, right? And it's bad and picker. It's, and and at some point, you know, what happens is that relationship, every relationship, when it starts, you're like, no, 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 no. This time, this person, no, totally, this is great. It just feels different this time. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, predictably, everybody <laughs> knows. Like, you, you said something earlier that I think is important to this conversation. It's that he wants to be here right now. Like, it was great in Brooklyn when he wanted to be there. It got bad mm-hmm. in Brooklyn when he didn't want to be there. So for right now, he's happy. Now, if he ends up deciding he doesn't like Philly cheesesteak, I don't know what's going to happen to him from there. Well, I'm if he likes cheesesteak too much. That's the other end of the coin with James <laughs> Harden. Let's get a reality check because while Joel Embiid very clearly wants to spin this positive, and honestly, I don't blame him. What's he going to come out and say? Well, he seems great so far, but I know how things tend to turn out, so I'm just crossing my fingers that we have him for as long as we can keep him. I mean, he's going to say positive things, but I think Doc managed to be optimistic while being a little bit more realistic. Chemistry is always great uh, before you play your first game. <laughs> it's never a problem, but it's been good. I mean, I don't think chemistry is going to be an issue as far as getting along. You know, um, chemistry on the floor, we'll have to see how that all works out. I'm not that concerned by it, but there's two types of chemistry, you know, and uh, the one on the floor is going to be the one that matters the most. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, and, and it's not like he reinvented the wheel there, but I do think that he understands perhaps a, a little bit with better perspective that you got to get these guys working together on the court and being effective in a way that doesn't diminish the skills of a guy that's been absolutely dominant in Joel Embiid. Not to mention we talked last night about what could happen with Tyrese Maxey and how he's going to need to be used differently and perhaps not in a way that benefits his strengths. And then with James Harden, you 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 you, you don't want to feel like you're tiptoeing around a guy. He just forced his way out of yet another team to line up with yet another superstar all-star alongside him. And, you know, it didn't work with Durant and Russell Westbrook, and Chris Paul, and Kyrie Irving, and Dwight Howard. I mean, how how long do you have to go down the list before you can say with certainty that you can just be yourself and play your hardest, and he's going to be all in on that? I mean, this is true in every walk of life. I don't care whether you play basketball or whether you work in a corporate environment or whether you do radio shows or you're in a band, like all of these things. Like when somebody comes into the office at first, most of the time it's all – uh, what'd you say? Uh, Sunshine and Cinnamon, which was Sunshine really, and Cinnamon. I'm stealing that from you. Like that's also the name of a that's the name of a duo that smokes way too much weed before they make their uh, before they make their first. It's record. actually a song that I heard oh. someone sing, and it stuck with me. And it was a guy. Uh, his, his name's Kid Lightning. That's his uh, stage name. He does other production and other stuff under a different name. But um, it's a very sad song about a breakup, and it's about you know. How she smells like sunshine and cinnamon and Sundays in June. And I miss you as soon as you walk out of the room. No, no. For, for us, it's the name of our future super group because I could just picture you walking and being like, hey, guys, I'm sunshine. I get to be cinnamon. To no, no, oh, no. man. No, no. I, I think guess. we all know. I think yeah, we all know. Fair. I've got a little more kick to me. I just I come in. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm sunshine. Yeah, that's fair. That's probably <laughs> that's on fair. brand. That's fair. But I mean, in the beginning, it, it always works out this way. What happens the first time you have like an inner office uh, disagreement about something? What happens the first time you, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out a way for these guys to play together and somebody doesn't like the call or somebody doesn't think they're getting the ball enough? Like uh, right now, everything should be great. And I don't want to take anything away from that because if it was already bad, I don't know if it gets better. But it, it, even though it's great today. I don't really care all that much because there's so much left to happen. Today doesn't matter. (laughs) Like it's such a pressure cooker because it has to happen right now. I think that's one thing that we keep pointing out. Like it's all compacted into right now. 
Mm-hmm. I also think one thing that we haven't talked about, and it's Spain and Fitz, by the way, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking about James Harden's debut with the Sixers tonight, taking on the Timberwolves at 8 Eastern. It, to me, is what about those guys that were buddies with Ben Simmons? What about the guys that did understand and maybe sided with Simmons? And is there any tension with Harden coming in? Is there any is there any tension just based on him having forced his way out of somewhere else where guys are hesitant um, and they aren't sure who they're getting? Embiid seems ready and willing to welcome with open arms, but there's probably more dynamics on this Sixers team than have, that have made it out to us. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, when you think about just everybody that knows their role is going to change also, and you're sitting back saying, hey, I know this is best for the team, but I still – I'm having like if you're Maxi and you're having a great season, like there there is just a moment of even if it's not doubt, there's a moment of stepping back and saying, what is this all going to look like that I think is really human through the process. Don't forget that game, obviously, uh, tipping off tonight. We'll keep you updated as it actually happens. And of course, Lakers Clippers at 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. So it's a big night in the NBA for uh, for across the league. Uh, that's some straight talk, by the way. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. We'll keep the straight talk going on this Friday edition. Is Lamar Jackson about to make NFL history? We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I'm fairly convinced in modern sports media, covering the quarterbacks in the offseason of the NFL is about like writing a gossip column on an eighth grade class. Like, Everything's a he said, she said, they might, he could, it's possible, <laughs> and nobody really knows any of it. We just feed off Check the Check yes or no. I mean, that, that's where we are. <laughs> Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, you can save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. It's interesting because there's a few quarterbacks in the news, and we'll get to Lamar Jackson in a second. But I have to start with the the sort of I can't believe we're actually talking about this, but we are talking about this moment that comes from Russell Wilson. Now, Russ has taken any mention of the Seahawks out of his Twitter profile, and I'll admit that like that I'm just not in love with social media enough to care what anybody puts in their <laughs> profile. Like I don't think of those things, but it is amazing to me and almost funny that an athlete or a team as we saw with Kyler Murray and the the Cardinals uh, recently can scrub their social media and all of a sudden it becomes a conversation and like I understand it's plants are like we did this when I was with the Van Perry like before we released a single we uh, deleted everything off of Instagram because it got people talking about what's coming and like Miley does this all the time for attention but I feel like that's all this is at this point it's like pay attention to me I'm not happy I'm gonna change something in my Twitter profile really we're not 12. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think I remember Jay Williams talking about this with Kyler Murray, and he said it it felt very immature. It felt like uh, people who break up and then remove every trace of their ex on social media instead of older folks, they tend to just be like, ah, that was a part of my life. I'm going to leave those pictures up with me and my friends and my ex, and you know, we're all going to accept that you know we've all been there, done that before. And Russ has. He's not Kyler Murray. So it is kind of surprising. Uh, that he would do that, especially considering that all the conversations that we've had up to this point, Fitz, have been, we didn't see him going anywhere. As much as we were going to talk about it, and certainly was worth addressing, we said, you know, he claims that his relationship with Pete Carroll is better than ever before. It doesn't seem like there's a really good fit elsewhere. He'd be better off having a great season this year and then opening up to the possibility of a much better deal after that. Like, none of this seems to fit with what we had talked about. So 
The question is, is this a page out of Kyler Murray's playbook, or is this a completely different playbook that he's using for other reasons? Yeah, and, and we won't know until we get closer Is he approaching an important birthday that he's yeah. like, I just need to go, I just need to throw back a little so when I had a few, few fewer lines in my face, is that maybe, yeah. he's just, maybe he's just like th- throwing back to a younger time. Here's, here's the thing, though, that, that blows my mind about the entire quarterback conversation, and every time everybody has it, is that, it takes so many different pieces in this to make anything make sense. So, like, for anybody that sits here and says, well, Russ is unhappy, so the Seahawks are going to trade him, I just sort of laugh at that because uh, Pete Carroll's not uh, necessarily at a stage in his career where I would imagine he wants to do a complete rebuild at the quarterback position. There aren't that many quarterbacks that are known entities this year that are there to be acquired. And so, like, I can't add the pieces up in a way that makes – even if Russ is unhappy, it's like – Cool, great. We'll see you at camp. Like, I don't know what other answer the Seahawks <laughs> would viably give him unless he chooses to just sit out. And it's always crazy to me how fans can put together, and we, in the, you know, people talking heads, bloviating gas bags, as I've stolen from you, uh, can sit on air and say, oh, well, this person's going to get traded here. And it's like, so you think this quarterback is worth a ton of draft equity, but not worth keeping? Like, I, I don't, I don't mm. understand any of that. So, well, that's it, why it, it has to get to a, a a point where it can't be solved, right? The only reason that you do that with a player that is deserving of a ton of capital is that they are forcing their way out, and that it is of no service to you anymore because it is that desperate, or because in the in the case of, for instance, maybe the Packers, right? You've you've drafted a replacement and made things really complicated. Yeah, well, and that's why I, I did a, a radio interview today with the ESPN Las Vegas affiliate. They asked me about this Derek Carr rumor. First and a fourth for Derek Carr, you doing it. And I just said, look, <laughs> you're talking about Derek Carr for Alex Leatherwood and Nate Hobbs, two people most people right. have never heard of. Like, right. that's what it means? No, the answer is clearly no. Well, now, and to- that – Really quick, Fitz, to the to your point, that's part of the reason that all of this conversation around the quarterbacks this offseason is particularly intriguing is there's no one in the draft. So if you're talking about who's got the right assets to give away to a team for a great quarterback, that team is then not going to be able to flip that into a promising young quarterback that anyone's really got a lot of faith in. So it makes it a lot tougher if you're a guy who wants to be on the move or a team who wants to move something. And by the way, next year's quarterback draft class – is stacked. So why anybody would give up trade equity in draft picks when they could wait it out this year and next year have a shot at several quarterbacks that people are hyped about? I mean, I think it's all part of the nuance. Now, to your point, sometimes it's about getting paid and it becomes so fractured nothing can be done. And that can become part of the Lamar Jackson conversation because Lamar is at this spot now where, I mean, he what else is there left for him to prove, right? So the question is, what's it going to take for a quarterback that has had these levels of accomplishment, this level of accomplishment, that doesn't have a deal and doesn't have an agent to get it done? Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, said this on first take about Lamar and what he should do. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I don't even step on grass without a new contract. I walk on sidewalks only. If I'm his friend, if I'm his advisor, if I'm a lawyer he knows, if I'm his mother, I tell him, we aren't even getting on a flight to Maryland until they're ready to put ink to paper because it's that important. This deal gets done for Lamar right now. It gets done in the right way, and he becomes the highest paid player in football. It's complicated because we are hearing sort of conflicting things. One is you should absolutely hold out for a new deal and you should not step foot on the field until you have a tremendous, giant, huge, busting deal. But also get it done sooner rather than later, right? (laughs) Don't be the one who potentially doesn't have that deal completed before the season starts because, you know, 
you don't want to get hurt. You don't want to, you know, it, it, there's, there's a window within which they want him to get what he wants. And I agree with them. I think it's absolutely the case that he cannot put himself out there and risk injury without a contract done. But it's also complicated when you've got a guy who doesn't work with an agent. Yeah, it's also complicated when you uh, look, I, I understand it's all funny money to most of us. I, I genuinely understand that. But you're talking about somebody that in 2021 made three million dollars. Uh, you know, it, that you look at the, the most he's made in any one season has been what, five, five million dollars. And he's in line like to make 20- one Stephen A. Rant. Yeah, and, and he's in line to make $23 million this year. Like this, He's already in line to get a generational paycheck. So, like, I think that's got to be a complicated – you know, I understand it's all funny money, but when you're talking about five years, $200 million, like, right. he's, it's all going to be very, very tempting for him. And speaking of funny money, we now are hearing reports that Aaron Rodgers wants $50 million a year. Mm. And I don't want to oversimplify, Sarah, but if it's really just, okay, Aaron Rodgers wants $50 million a year, if I'm the Packers – I, I call him out right now. I call I go to the if that's the report, I'll go to the world and be like, cool, we'll give him fifty million a year for the next two years. And then let's just see think, where he really is. Do you think that if he gets part of it in Bitcoin again, they'll be willing to do it? <laughs> Unfortunately, he uh he took what, like twenty four million or something, he said? He said I, he was taking an undisclosed amount of his twenty four million. I guess it wasn't all twenty two million, but he was taking some of it in cryptocurrency and then it like plunged after that so i don't know i don't know maybe they'd be more willing to do some deals if they could pay him in some nfts um yeah i mean this this what if you had to guess what is the point of this particular leak right now as we are discussing a variety of aaron Rodgers related things every single day and again it's kate shailene woodley going to lunch with them today uh why leak this now about the money I think this is all about pressuring them to not keep him because they, they're going to realize they can't keep Devontae if he wants – some reports have been he wants $30 million. So you can't give 50 to the quarterback, 30 to the wide receiver, spend 80 mm. and keep a team. So you think he wants out? I think he wants out, yeah. I think he wants out, but I, I, I also think they're playing high-stakes poker. If I'm, the, if I'm the Packers, I'm like, all right, call. Show me your cards. Right. It's like chicken in a, in a footloose who's got their lace caught on the tractor. Is that a deep uh, cut? Is that, is that an old no, that is, a, that is a brilliant cut. Uh, the NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in Sunday. Suns host the Jazz, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 3 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. All right, how real is a lockout in Major League Baseball? We'll ask a guest. Plus, we'll figure out what Sarah's supposed to do in Arizona if she can't watch baseball. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Happy Friday. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm here in sunny Arizona, ostensibly, to watch some baseball as I do every year for the last uh, 12 years. Uh, but there is no baseball, and there will not be any baseball at least through May, I'm sorry, March 7th. Jesse Rogers reporting after the talks today that the game's through May, I'm sorry, March, I keep saying May, March 7th have been canceled. Let's get more from Jesse on all the other things accomplished or not accomplished today as meetings continue between the Players Association and the owners. ESPN MLB writer Jesse Rogers. So Jesse, let's start there. Big picture, does it feel like there was much accomplished in today's meetings? No, not really. Um, I mean, eventually you have to check off all the boxes. And the draft is a complicated one. There's a lot to it. Um, they can move quickly through other issues. So I guess there is some good news that they're moving closer to this new NBA-style draft. The league wants four teams in the lottery. 
Um, the union last said seven, so maybe they land on five. They're still working out some of the details, but that's where they spent most of the day. And I'm sure your listeners aren't that excited about hearing just about the draft. There's much bigger things to accomplish here before that league-imposed deadline on Monday, Sarah. So it's something, and if they get there tomorrow on the draft, maybe they, they have some momentum towards some other things. But um, I'm not really holding out hope they get this done by Monday. You never know, though. You never know. I mean, the deadline does provide the urgency, and it's, it's coming. Rob Manfred showed up for the first time today to talk to Tony Clark. So there's, there's conversations going on. There's, there's an avenue towards a deal if they start really you know, knocking, off, uh, knocking off some of these items they need to get to. But right now they're just really uh, on the draft, and there's so much more there um, in terms of uh, getting to a new CBA. Well, Jesse, you just said much bigger things. Of all the bigger things that you can think of, where which one are they the farthest apart on? Uh, a couple things, obvious, uh, uh, you know, obvious to me because I've been covering this thing. But so, if people don't know, I mean, there's this new pre-arbitration pool they're talking about, uh, a bonus pool for for guys not yet eligible for arbitration, even after some back and forth, they're like a hundred million dollars apart on it. The league wants to put $20 million in the pool. The union wants 115 though they were down at 100 at one point. They're sort of back up to 115 That seems like a big gap. That seems like a big gap. So that's number one. But that's probably not the biggest issue. CBT, the competitive balance tax, you know, the luxury tax. Teams have to pay if they go over a certain number. The league wants to end the CBA after five years at $222 million. The union wants to start that figure at $245 million and go up to like $270 million. So a huge gap there as well. And there's other issues. Um, the league wants uh, salary arbitration for, for uh, second-year players to stand at 22% of players um, after two years, make it to arbitration. The union wants 75% uh, of the top service time guys to, to, to make it to arbitration. So uh, there's a bunch of them. I can't pick one, but CBT would probably be the most important one. Jesse Rogers, you can follow him at Jesse Rogers ESPN, reporting after the end of the meeting today between the MLB Players Association and the owners. Um, what do you think would be the worst-case scenario date to start the season? And, and maybe you have to backtrack that with enough time uh, uh, in spring for players to feel ready? Yeah, you know, I thought maybe you were making a 40-in slip before when you kept saying May because – I know. I it's actually like... – <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that that is kind of the worst-case scenario. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that's the worst case, that, that they miss a month. I think that has always been a real possibility. Um, you know, there's theories out there that the owners don't mind missing April. It's probably true. There's even theories out there that the players were prepared to miss April uh, sort of for the same reason, to push the owners to the brink, and that's – the way I can sum up this whole thing, there's just this crazy high-stakes game of chicken going on. Who's going to blink first, right? Um, and I don't know who that's going to be. I really don't. The, the, the sides are so far apart. I'm not even sure if, if one side makes one move, it's going to make the big difference. But I, I, a lot of people I talk to think you know they, they could very well lose April. It really depends on – I don't want to say it depends on the union, but in some ways, like, how many paychecks can they miss? Are they willing to go to the mat to completely change the system and lose April and lose May and keep going? Or are they going to push this thing as far as they can go? And then you take the best deal you can make. And if they do that and they get the gains, you know, in some ways that they want, then it'll be a successful strategy. But it certainly is a dangerous, you know, game of high stakes poker right now. 
so Jesse, I'm going to ask you to be the the voice of reason here because one game being missed for some people is going to be absolute. Oh my God, we're at the seventh layer of hell, right? So I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. where the breaking point actually is, where they've missed enough games that fans will riot. So where is that line to you? I don't think fans riot with with the month of April. <laughs> you know, I just don't. Um, not a lot of fans go to games in April. It's probably why the owners don't mind missing it. I think if you get to, certainly if you get to Memorial Day and there's no baseball, like what are we doing here, right? But I'll quote Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated, who wrote something very obvious a couple of weeks ago. He said the 2020 pandemic season kind of opened up everybody's eyes. Like it sucked that there's only 60 games, but they gave out the awards at the end of the year. They gave the trophy to the Dodgers as World Series champions. So I'm not saying that fans are going to just sit by and wait till August to, to start the baseball season. But look, if, if, if they need to you know, go through this to start playing baseball in early May and you get four and a half to five months, I think fans will, will be okay with that, at least uh, fans of the teams that are contending teams. If you're out of it and you don't have baseball in April and part of May, you, you may not draw anybody the rest of the year. So that's, that's just my feeling that I think once the weather turns, fans are going to expect it, and if it's not there, then they get really ticked off. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Jesse Rogers, ESPN MLB writer. Um, Jesse, you know, it feels to me like there's a certain point after which the fans immediately go after, even if they had been sympathetic to players, to players, even in the case of a lockout, which is not a strike where the owners are the reason the games are not happening. Does it feel like in recent years, there's been a bit of a move toward more empathy for players in these situations or are fans still in your, in your view, siding with the man sort of because they don't really understand that they're siding with billionaires just because they don't know those people's salaries. I think it's a great question. It's a great topic for conversation. The answer is yes. I think social media has helped players in that regard. You don't hear, you don't see many owners tweeting, right? But you see players tweeting, you see players tweeting their side of things, explaining things sometimes. Um, and I think there's probably been a turn. I'm going to steal this from Passon because I think he said this the other day. There's probably been a turn against billionaires in this country over the last few years, right? right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's not as cool to be a billionaire unless you are one, right? Um, so <laughs> right. I, I think, yes, I think there's been a little bit more sympathy towards um, players. And also just the understanding. Like I think we, have a, we all have a better understanding of how, how teams go up in value and these guys – you know, buy it for $700 million and it's worth $3 billion a couple years later like the Cubs were or are. So, I, I, yeah, I think there has been a turn. I don't think it's complete. I think it's still split. Um, and uh, I, I do think that, you know, it's tough when Max Scherzer is the voice of the players and he's 38 and he just signed for $40 million a year. I get how fans might say, wow, what's wrong with baseball if that's happening? But you can't just look at the Scherzers of the world. And that's everything I think through the media and other avenues, you realize most of baseball makes well under that, makes under a million, to be honest. So, and the, and the lifespan of a player is under five years. So I, I guess the answer is we just have a better understanding of, of a player's plight, and I think we've turned on billionaires a little bit. Yeah, the real question here is, Jesse, Sarah's in Arizona, and she goes out there to watch baseball. <laughs> now there's no baseball for her to watch. Yeah. What should she do in Arizona? Yeah. Well, she knows. She knows. I mean, I've I spent I've spent about nine straight uh, uh, sp- uh, uh, spring trainings there for six weeks. I love Scottsdale. I might retire there. That's how much I love Scottsdale. 
um, you know, I mean, you go on a hike. I know you've done that, Sarah. I mean, that's yes. the thing. You go yeah. on a hike, you do it, yeah. you do it early in the day. You do it early in the day, so it's not too hot. And then you sit by the pool, and then you go to the, there's some great restaurants in Scottsdale, of course. Maybe you hit the casino. Uh, but oh. I know your day hmm. was kind. Your day was kind of set up around those games. I know they were because I saw you yeah. there. And now your day is kind of messed up, and I get that. So you got to try some other things. Yeah, I had not thought about the casinos. The hiking I've got, uh, the uh, the uh, the drinking and eating. Uh, basically, spring, tra- <laughs> spring break 2022 is what's happening out here. Not spring training, spring break. Uh, I don't know right. if uh, there'll be you know Jenny McCarthy hosting Singled Out or anything like that, but we're going to try to make the best of it. Fitz, uh, let's ask our, our listeners, too. I'm sure there's some ideas from people. So at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, what should I do in Arizona for the next 10 days since there will not be any baseball jesse thank you for keeping us up to date i hope that uh some of the progress comes soon and we get closer and closer to actual games but appreciate your work in the meantime thanks so much Jesse. you got it it's been a surreal week and and this weekend's going to be very interesting uh, how things go down take care i agree i'll i'll see if i can get in there make something happen you know i'm a a good mediator fits you know i'm I'm already out here i like that idea work on this (laughs) there i mean as a lifelong diehard a's fan i really need baseball to happen oh uh, for the love of pete i forgot about that uh jesse rogers espn mlb writer with us there at spain and fits coming up we're going to continue to react to the stalemate in baseball talk about underwear or more accurately brunderwear brunderwear we'll get into it next oh that's right it's not my birthday it's not Fitz's birthday, but it is the 60th birthday of one of our favorite listeners, Gail. Woo! Go to at Gem Knitter, G-E-M-K-N-I-T-T-E-R. Wish Gail a happy 60th. Send her some love. Gail is so positive and so kind and so supportive of everything we do over here. So send her some love so she has a very, very happy birthday. Eat extra cake, Gail. That's the most important extra thing. Extra cake. On your birthday, yeah, extra cake. You always there is no such like, thing as extra cake because that would well, imply that there is at any point a limit on the cake in order for there to be extra. There is. It's unlimited. There, there, is, a, there is a point where you walk back and you look around and you're like, <laughs> I hope no one in the room sees I'm taking another piece. On your birthday, <laughs> that's when you go for Never. that. That's where you start Never. is at that point. You're like, hey, Unlimited there Limited cake, Gail. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN Raiders presented by Progressive Insurance. You can always hit us up at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. I just uh, put up on the old Twitter to help me figure out how to spend the next 10 days here in Arizona. I have a few ideas, but I would love for you to chime in. Let us know. Um, also, you know, what we meant to ask folks earlier, Fitz, when we were talking about some of that NFL news is, you know, there was a story that somebody wrote today with a bunch of delusional takes on things in the NFL, the craziest, most delusional things that could happen. And it had us thinking in honor of the football outsider story and their, you know, fan bases and fan delusions. What is your most delusional want for your football team? I think mine is clearly that the bears pull a burrow and the Bengals and find themselves at the Super Bowl in short order. Uh, that's pretty delusional. And I'm still, I'm still clicking, clinging to it. Uh, so let us know at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. Give us uh, give us a bunch of goodies for later in the show, including those delusions. Uh, we told you we were going to talk underwear. Let's start there quickly and then we'll get back to baseball because I saw that Bronny James has signed a name, image and likeness deal with an underwear company, a PSD underwear. I do not know what that stands for. I would ask for suggestions, but I'm worried about the first letter and the last letter, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. Fitz. I don't know if we'll get answers that doo-doo. are safe for the this last letter Disney, definitely Disney company, PSD yeah. underwear. Uh, whatever it means to you, that's what it means. Uh, but Bronny already, has, 
No, let's get away from the doo-doo, please. That's almost worse than what I expected from people somehow. Um, Bronny James already has 6 million followers. So honestly, good investment. This is a team, uh, a company that has all sorts of uh, folks from around sports. Trey Young, John Morant, Tyler Hero, et cetera. Um, but now adding Bronny James to the mix. And I, I want to first get your reaction to, do you think Bronny's 6 million followers want to wear his underwear? Uh, well, I mean, if you got 6 million followers, you're monetizing them. So maybe, but I don't know, like it's a far stretch, like, because when you're wearing certain shoes, for example, like you walk in and you're like, I got the Jordans, like they're, 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 right. there's a status symbol to it. Are you at a spot in society, like not you, but just anybody where you're walking in and you're flashing the, like, like, I guess in the eighties wearing Calvin's was a big deal if you had Calvin Klein. Right. But other than that, I can't think of any era where you're walking in and you're suddenly dropping your pants. So everybody sees what kind of underwear you got on. And well, like, but I don't, I don't know that you can fully drop like, your pants. The style uh, could be sagging pants that are a little below the waistline and then you could see the waistband says psd i just has anybody ever like been getting ready to do the hibbity dibbity and had their significant other be like oh my god are those psds like i don't think i don't think that's the market that you're trying to appeal to though okay you know how you wear some things to appeal to the opposite sex and then you wear others to impress the people uh, uh, that you're not trying to kick it with Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't know either way of flashing the undies is getting that done. Like I just I'm I just, just don't honest. know if you're the target market fits is what I'm trying to say. What I'm I, trying I mean, to say is right. I just like, don't know that you are likely to walk around either shirtless or in some way with the, the waistband to your undies visible. But there are other people that are. I mean, I have been working on that body, but it's not I'm not quite ready for <laughs> the that. PS5 to ain't going to help, friend. Yeah, the PS5 is not going to like <laughs> I'm going to have to quit the PS5 and then everything that I consume while I play the PS5. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, there's no doubt I'm much more likely to have Patrick on my underwear, like from SpongeBob and Patrick than I am. Oh, PSD. my God. That's why yeah. you that's why if you're married, someone is forced to do the hibbity dibbity with you. If yeah. you if you <laughs> if you choose to do the hibbity dibbity with someone wearing Patrick from SpongeBob underwear, that's on you. And that's Look, if you can't make your underwear a conversation piece, you are missing out on life. That's all I'm saying. I'd like to think there are better things than the underwear to talk about, but that's just The number me. of times Spain I've been bits. at the gym at ESPN, and I'm like, oh, I should. Like, when the gym was open, I was like, I should have really thought my underwear out today. That, that's, that's real. Why? There's, like, people in the locker room looking at you in your skivvies? Well, I mean, when they're bright pink and they have Patrick's face on it, like, probably. I mean, I can only imagine. Like, you know me. Kind of into a nothing, weird territory here. Yeah. We really yeah. have. We really nah, have. It's Spain Fitz. There's Spain. Jason Fitz. Hey, really quick, though. This is a, a bigger thing I wanted to ask you about, Bronny James. I was thinking about, at first I thought, how cool for, for LeBron and his son to play together. And I still believe that that would be unbelievable. But there is an, an incredible amount of pressure on a young man who most would not think is a shoe-in to get drafted if now LeBron is saying, I'll play on whatever team he plays for. And then – LeBron, you know, will be 40. How long How long does he play for? And when he's out, does, does whichever team just be like, okay, see ya, you're not any good? Like, it, it, it feels like it could sound like a really nice thing to do, but it could ultimately end up, you know, being something you talk about in therapy for years later. Yeah, and the, the weird part about this is when you first started talking about Bronny today, I, all I could think about was how we just presumed when LeBron said he wanted to play with his son that it'd be this magical moment. And, and then you, you start looking at the rankings and realize I think ESPN right now has him ranked 43rd among high school prospects in his class. So, I mean, you're, you're, if you're the 43rd best high schooler, according to our rankings right now, there's nothing sure about b- even making it to the NBA, right? So uh, the concept that a team would then reach to draft you just because they want to sign your dad because that's also real 
then puts just an inevitable and incredible amount of pressure on somebody. Like when your dad steps away, then the team's looking around like, well, we're stuck with this kid. Like, right. uh, are, right. are you suddenly being like put into a position that your talent doesn't merit? And, you know, I, I think that would be an incredible amount of pressure to live with. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think the same thing, and that's why it hit me that I was a little bit worried about exactly how that might go down and the response that he might get. I know LeBron's going to want to play with him when he's out on the court. Is he a liability? Is it embarrassing? Can he keep up? I mean, it's complicated for sure. Uh, but the good news is he just made a bunch of bank on his drawers, so that's fine. I feel good about I feel good about yeah. that part for him. Um, hey, quickly, we were just talking to Jesse Rogers, and I asked him that question about the fans. That really frustrates me, and I, I understand the sort of tendency to side toward whatever means your team will be as close to what you want it to look like and the, the games will be happening. But I, I'm getting frustrated by people on social media that are turning on the players now. You know, the owners have way more money than that, and they don't even play. Like, if, if we had, like, a spot track or spot rack or whatever that, however you pronounce that, and you had the salaries for all the owners, I don't think yeah. you'd be siding with them so much. The fact that you can see what these guys make and you're jealous that they get to play a game does not mean that they are not in the right here as they try to continue um, to fight for, honestly, what's been sliding toward the owners for years. I mean, what does it matter realistically if the players are greedy? I, I, if that's the argument people have, I, I, I would turn around and say, so what? Like, if we Ooh, pay it? all of the, <laughs> yeah, if we play, if we pay all of the players virtually nothing to play baseball, the owners are not going to suddenly lower prices. They're just going to make more money. Like that's just the way. You know, they're never going to turn around and be like, you know what? We only have to charge twelve dollars now. And that makes everybody happy. Now, they're just going to keep pocketing more cash. I don't understand why we constantly look at players and say, stop being greedy, and then assume that the billionaires that own these teams would also stop being greedy if they didn't, uh, if they didn't have the overhead. So I, I, I think say it's that a all the time. Argument. I'm like, where do you think the money goes then? When they're like, oh, these players are overpaid. I'm like, where do you want that money to go? Because the owners aren't going to charge you any less to get in the building, and the people who make the jerseys aren't going to cut the prices. This is happening because it is very popular and the money is there. And the idea that you just want the owners to keep raking it all in is gross. That's just yeah. kind of on, and that's coming from an owner. Sweet flex. <laughs> the NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tomorrow night as the Bucks host the Nets, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Eastern, on most ESPN radio stations. Coming up, NFL players who could be in a new uniform this season. Next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And, you know, Sarah's usually in Chicago. Now she's in Arizona. No, she has not been traded. She's just out there getting to watch a little, uh, watch a little baseball, we thought, but turns out not going to be that way. She's enjoying much nicer weather spring than break. I am in Connecticut. Yeah, spring break, uh, adult spring break, which sounds chaotic and delightful <laughs> all at once, by the way. I, I need some of that in my life. Uh, but, you know, in, in the spirit of changing cities, maybe we should get some insight on somebody. Look at that segue uh, that knows a Nailed lot it. about NFL players changing cities. Joel Corey going to join us, a uh, former sports agent. Check out Inside the Cap wherever you get your podcast. And we always love talking to Joel because he has such an agent's mindset to what's happening. So uh, there's a great article out there you can find on his Twitter, at uh, Corey Joel, uh, 15 NFL players under contract who could be in different uniforms next season. Joel, appreciate the time. All the rumors today, Aaron Rodgers and 15. Million dollars. So, from an agent's perspective, uh, how would a team even manage to pay him that much? Well, there's something called the salary cap where you can give someone a huge signing bonus, spread out uh, the cap hit so it'll be lower in the beginning of the contract, 
or lower as low as it could be for a contract of that magnitude. And as the as the salary cap continues to rise, then the salary cap hit won't seem quite as bad in a couple of years or three years when the salary cap is approaching two hundred seventy five million. I want to ask you why you think the leak about Aaron Rodgers and the specific money demands came out today. We've gotten a little bit of information every day, some of it presumably not actually coming from Rodgers' camp, but I'd have to assume either the Packers or the Rodgers' camp is the one that let us know what he's looking for. What's the play there? I'm not sure which side would want to leak that one. Um, to me, it was a given that Rodgers was going to ask for $50 million a year. Uh, past two contracts he signed, he became the highest-paid player in the league. And on the last one, it was about 12% more than the previous standard, Matt Ryan's $30 million per year. You give him that same increase over Patrick Mahomes' $45 million per year, you're slightly over $50 million per year anyway. So unless he was going to pull a Drew Brees like he did when he, when he was in his late 30s and finally give the Saints a slight financial break, then this is always the range where it was going to end up in my mind. So that's not really news to me. I mean, though, Joel, I understand with the salary cap, how they can maybe work some things around. But if you're the Packers and you're talking about a quarterback that is probably going to want a shorter deal, right, and is up there in the years, and you're also trying to figure out, Devontae, how do you make two players that want to be paid at the highest of their position possible on one salary cap? Well, that's why you have voiding dummy years in contracts for uh, Rogers' case, considering he will be, I think, 39 next year or at some point during the season. So you add the fake years, you can prorate the signing bonus over his existing contract year, the dummy year he has right now, which turned into a real year, plus three other years. And with Devontae Adams, if he's back in Green Bay, that gives – if Rogers is back in Green Bay, I should say – that gives Adams a ton of leverage. They're probably going to stick a franchise tag on him anyway, but Rodgers doesn't want to be there long-term unless it's with Adams. Adams already wanted to be the highest-paid wide receiver in the NFL. So you basically you're going to have to do that um, to keep Devontae Adams as well. So you'd have to give him the biggest signing bonus ever for a non-quarterback, which right now is Aaron Donald at $40 million. You have to exceed that most likely and your cap hits will be lower early on, and then they'll start rising in the future. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Joel Corey, former sports agent, host of Inside the Cap. You can read his story about the uh, NFL free agency and the players that he thinks might be on the move at CBSSports.com. Let's talk uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, this may be a, a difficult question to answer without having you know more inside knowledge of exactly the situation, but... If you were representing Deshaun Watson, how would you play out this offseason and the, and the potential moves he makes? Well, I'd have more flexibility on the no-trade clause because he can veto any trade since we know he's never going to play for Houston again and you've got a $35 million fully guaranteed base salary, which someone would have to be able to take on to accommodate you in a, sal in, in a trade. You have to have the $35 million to fit that under the cap then I'm going to expand my horizons on the uh, potential suitors. I don't think anything gets done until there's more clarity on his uh, situation, particularly from the criminal side with the sexual misconduct and, and assault allegations. I would be probably trying to spur the lawyer to get some sort of settlement in the civil side if that's possible.
We're talking to Joel Corey, former sports agent. Check out Inside the Cap wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Lamar Jackson looking for a long-term deal, but doing it without an agent, how rare is that? It's still pretty unique, but we have seen over the past couple of years players like Bobby Wagner, Laramie Tunsil, DeAndre Hopkins not have a traditional agent, use an advisor, and come out just fine contractually. The dollar value on this contract will be much greater. We've never had a quarterback of this magnitude go it alone. I think Lamar's biggest mistake so far has been instead of putting the Ravens on a clock last year and saying, you have until the start of the regular season to get something done, or we may not get a deal done ever. That's what Russell Wilson said. I guess that's now three years ago, maybe, or two years ago, whenever it was, when he got his last contract extension. That thing was done in April of his contract year. That may have spurred a little more action, but the Ravens have seemed to be a willing participant in trying to get something done, and they're working more on Lamar's timetable than anything else. Joel, what's the deal with the Colts and Wentz? It feels like many believe there's inevitable breakup there, but what the heck are the Colts going to do a quarterback if they give up a guy who admittedly wasn't great, but you got to have someone else to step up if he's gone? The funny thing is if you look at his raw statistics for the year and compare them to not his last season in Philadelphia, but the year before, they're not that far off. The problem is he stunk up the joint uh, down the stretch Right, when the they most important playoff, time. Yeah. Um, my, my problem is, what's your alternative at quarterback? And two, from a trade standpoint, the way he ended the season, does anybody really want to take on $28 million in salary in a trade? You probably have to eat some of that on the trade. Then he's got two more years worth almost $53.5 million left. And – I'm a little skeptical about a team giving up a first-round pick and a third-round pick to acquire a player and then making him a one-year rental. So something else has to be going on besides the poor play for them to seriously contemplate trying to get rid of him um, after one year. But I don't know who steps in and becomes the quarterback um, if he's not there. And I think that's something you have to kind of look at in some of these situations. Well, if we trade this guy – who do we have that can come in and play instead? And I think that may be why some quarterbacks that are rumored to be traded don't end up getting traded. Hey Joel, you're speaking the language there that I've been yelling as a Raiders fan and with all the Raiders stuff that I do in general when it comes to Derek Carr. So I'll ask you, what do you think the most likely realistic scenario is for Carr? Derek Carr signs an extension. And one thing we know about Derek Carr is he seems to bleed silver and black. Um, he's said, I don't want to play any place else. And that suggests someone who might be willing to leave some money on the table. So if that is true and it's not the agent driving the train and he's going under specific instructions from Carr not to try to get full market value, that probably sets up a scenario where Carr probably signs an extension to stay um, in Las Vegas. You guys can follow him on Twitter, at Corey Joel. Check out Inside the Cap wherever you get your podcast. Joel, always appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for having me, guys. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together. 
so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Sometimes the drama actually hits the floor in the NBA. Finally, after weeks of talk, we have James Harden making his appearances, debut with the Sixers. How will it change the fortunes of the franchise this season? We'll get you an update on what's happening and tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, represented by Progressive Insurance. It is a big night in the NBA. I know. I, it, I, I, we try not to overhype any of it. Like, we want to be real. But the Sixers taking on the Timberwolves is big tonight because James Harden has officially made his Sixers debut. Now he has zero points. No, make that two points. Three minutes Woo. in, two points. Woo. Oh, and one. And one. Let's see where this He's goes. The beard is already out halfway no to his I mean, Sacramento okay. Kings total. Oh, this is this is uh, this is what we're going to be doing. Though we're watching every second of Harden and how it works with Embiid and what's it like on the court and how is everybody going to gel together. And and Sarah, I mean, as much as I've sort of rolled my eyes to some of the drama, this is so important for a Philly team. I, the, the East is so tightly compacted right now. It just somebody's got to break through, and I don't know. If, if, if this ends up playing to the advantage of the 76ers or not, because I think there's a lot to get figured out in a little amount of time. But if they figure it out, golly, it's just going to be tough to beat them. I mean, I think it goes back to what you guys kind of joked about, which is, you know, we try not to overhype regular season games because we understand in the NBA that that's, that's not always uh, easy to do. We see that everything that comes around in the postseason is what really matters. But that being said, this is one of those games where it's not overhyped. The drama isn't over-exaggerated. This is our first look at a team that could be separating itself from the pack. This is our first look at the next iteration of James Harden plus fill-in-the-blank superstar. Back with his guy, Daryl Morey, presumably a guy who believes in him and trusts him enough that he's going to get the best out of him. Um, now, there were some boos, apparently, before the game tipped off, which is interesting. Um... Not everybody's going to love a guy who makes his way around the NBA partnering with different people like he's on The Bachelor or something. Um, and so Timberwolves fans let him hear it a little bit. But, you know, this is this – is, and, and I want to remember the sound that we played from Joel Embiid at the beginning, by the way, this in incredible optimism, sunshine and cinnamon. Uh, whatever happens tonight, as important as this game feels – it doesn't mean that it's going to be a perfect fit or that it's going to go terribly, but we're going to talk about it like that. We are absolutely going to spend all day tomorrow over overreacting to every single thing that happens in this game. Yeah, which is one of the beasts that's come with all of this in, in the NBA. And, and you mentioned tomorrow, I mean, uh, the other side of it is we're going to keep looking at the nets, right? Like uh, anything that it, at this point we talk about how, for example, you know, you know from so many years like Mitchell Trubisky and Deshaun Watson were all – uh, always going to be linked, right? Like you, you there are mm -hmm. certain people that will always be uh, linked together. And, Mahomes, yeah. and when you think about what's <laughs> happening right now and Simmons and Embiid will always be linked. So, you know, you start talking about even tomorrow, depending on the success that we've seen from Harden, when the next Nets play the Bucks, there's going to be all sorts of conversation about whatever this version of Harden is and why the Nets couldn't get that out of him. Why did he not want to be in Brooklyn anymore? What happened behind the scenes? Like, this is mm -hmm. the drama we'll be talking about even with that game going on tomorrow. 
Yeah, Nets Bucks game tomorrow night. Get in the zone. Brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Who will be in the zone? It won't be Simmons. He won't be ready yet. Will it be a massive game for one of the other guys? Will it be somebody who has to step up? Because, you know, that team is still not 100% healthy. As much as we're talking about the potential change in the New York laws, they aren't yet there. So they, they're they sort of on pause a bit more than the Sixers, right? James Harden checking in and playing for the Sixers tonight means this era of Sixers basketball has officially begun and we can get a look at how it works and what they might end up looking like that's not the case for that Kevin Durant is still out Ben Simmons is out Dragic is day-to-day that's another new addition and then you've got Kyrie Irving still playing half the games so we're in a waiting area a sort of holding pattern with the Nets where they won't be able to answer if something goes incredibly well for the Sixers tonight with Harden. Which is also a really good point when you talk about the Nets and the standard we're going to judge all of this by, right? Like, I, I, I want to be fair to both sides. You know, when you start talking about, okay, Kyrie, you know, has got to be able to play well for the Bucks, or for the Nets to beat the Bucks, that sort of thing. Uh, th- we're not talking about equal scales because we won't see equal return from this trade until everybody's on the court. And even when they are on the court, the Nets will have had less time to get everything dialed in. So I think it's really interesting that we're going to be judging both of these teams and through all of this process, but they're already in very different standing depending on how much time they actually get together. Well, and literally different standings. This is a Sixers team that even without Ben Simmons playing was near the top of the East and was thriving. And then a Nets team that despite all the reports that they're optimistic, Uh, has not been able to put it together in terms of record as they've tried to navigate. What we talked about was an inevitability, which is how difficult it would be for Kyrie to be in and out, um, and and then at the end for James Harden to not be invested. Uh, So you're right. They are not on even playing field as they they, uh, battle for who won the trade. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's it's, at least tonight we're getting that first look at how it's going to affect this, the the thriving the thriving Sixers. Hey, Fitz, real quick, I wanted to ask you something. Unless you have another thought on on James no, no, Harden. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yes. Go. Okay. So I saw something before the show today, and it was it was about the Nuggets ratings, and we have not spent any time on this show talking about it. And maybe at some point we should get uh, a local person out of Denver to talk about it. But this is something that we've heard about and has been in the background of NBA talk for years, and that's the fight between Altitude and Comcast and the blackout in Denver uh, market that has resulted in many fans not being able to watch the Nuggets locally. In fact, right now their .19 rating for locally broadcast games is the lowest in 15 years for any NBA team. For any NBA team. So there's some conversation as Comcast and Altitude continue to talk about potentially figuring out how to fix this, but this long-running blackout has deeply affected the fandom of the team, and it might be part of the reason that when we talk about um, you know, a, a superstar in Nikola Jokic, an MVP, he just doesn't get the love that other guys get, in part because even locally people can't watch him. But I was reading a story about this, and it gave me the top five local markets with the highest local TV ratings this season through February 16th. And I want you to try to guess those. The top five markets with the highest local TV ratings. Okay. Um, so this has got to be super passionate. And uh, to, in all fairness, we talked about this. I did not look anything up. So mm-hmm. I'm just I'm winging it here. The so, fact that you said that makes me suspicious. No, I'm, I'm, telling the, I'm telling the audience that. Uh, okay. So, I'm thinking teams that don't have a lot of other things to look forward to, but also teams that are super passionate. I know passion, so I'm going to say Chicago's on that list. Chicago is on that list at five. 
That's concerning. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> let's think. Um, Memphis on that list? Memphis is not. Okay. All right. Swing and a miss on that one. Uh, uh, oh, Golden State. Golden State's got to be on the list. They're Golden really State good. is number one. Oh, oh, that's Golden surprising State is to number me. Number one. Is that surprising? 7.63. And wow. they're way ahead of everybody else. 7.63. My God, that's surprising to me. Um, Cleveland's got to be on the list. That that one makes Cleveland sense. Cleveland is number two, 3.74. Okay, so I have three of the five. Yep, um, you have two in the middle there. Man. Mil- Milwaukee? I Milwaukee no is number four. Oh, okay, I said that with no confidence. Boston's got to be on the list. I don't know if I, believe. I, don't know if I believe that you didn't Boston's- look this up. Boston is not on the list. Celtics have been mercurial at best. So I've gotten four out of the five, right? Yeah. Uh, Think about one of the teams we just talked about having a good year. Oh, I don't. I. I. I, I, Phoenix. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Number three. I number three. I, I'm a little surprised Philly's on that list. Like when we uh, come back, I'll give you the bottom five. I want to set it as a tease. I want the audience to try to think of who they imagine as the bottom five. Oh, look at that. That is well done. I I, I, uh, I feel like I did pretty well. I did not completely embarrass myself. I mean, I don't believe you. For I, I think that I you know. lied. Uh, our, you did I, too I, well. No. Our <laughs> next guest has won gold medals for two separate countries. We'll talk to her, Spain and Fitz, on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's Spain and Fitz on a Friday. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Paralympics getting underway. And I saw a really good breakdown of sled hockey in case you haven't watched it before. But uh, some incredible back-to-back-to-backs happening and looking to add more gold there. So we'll keep an eye on the Paralympics. The Olympics wrapped up, and one of the superstars of that competition is going to join us here and talk about a really wild and crazy story to getting there. And to set it up, I'll I'll just say, if you didn't follow along with Kaylee Humphrey's story, she was an incredible Canadian-American bobsledder representing Canada. She won the two-woman bobsled in 2010-2014, and then she was a bronze uh, in 2018. And she moved her way out of Team Canada. She had issues of abuse and harassment that she alleged facing the Bobsled Federation in Canada. And as an American citizen, she was able to switch to Team USA and brought gold to America. And she's here now. Kaylee Humphreys, a four-time Olympic medalist, gold out of Beijing. Kaylee, thanks for the time. Of course. Thanks for having me. You were so joyful uh, throughout the competition, and it was so fun watching you and Elena and, and, and all the Team USA members um, just get excited about the competition. But I think the happy ending to all of this is that you end up representing America. You win gold, and you feel like you're in a place where you're respected and treated right. But you had to work really hard to make that happen. Can you just take us back to the moments as you were trying to move out of Team Canada and the Bobsled Federation and establish yourself in America? Um did you ever think you wouldn't be able to get approved and you might not compete again? And were you willing to give that up because of what you faced in Canada? I, there were multiple times when I thought this is never going to happen, including two months before the Olympics. Um, wow. I had a lot of doubts and fears. It took me probably a year to build up the courage and the confidence, um, not only to make the claims of abuse and harassment in general, understanding that it was going to potentially sidelined me and end my career with Team Canada. It was a 16-year career with three Olympic medals. I worked so hard for so many years to build that up. 
Um, and I understand, and unfortunately, athletes are so vulnerable that you, um, I found myself in an unsafe environment, and I put up with it for a year, being humiliated, degraded in public scenarios, scared for my physical safety, scared for my mental well-being. I went into major depression, had a lot of physical issues, and after a long, drawn-out process, I knew a lot of it was due to my interactions with my coach. And when I spoke up about it, of course, I was sidelined. An internal investigation dragged on for more than a year, and I knew my career was over. And if I didn't stand up for myself, if I didn't try and get out or get away, I knew I was going to forever be lost in the system and just kind of chucked aside. And so I chose to speak out. I chose to try and protect other athletes within the Canadian system. Um, and then I chose to make sure that I could still compete and, and have every opportunity possible. But it was it was hard. I mean, I had to give it all up. And starting again, yeah. and anybody that's had to start again, a new school, a new job, a new city, a new country, you understand. It's challenging. You start from ground zero. I had to remake Team USA, um, having had to forget everything I had done in Team Canada and earn my spot back on the team, which I respected. And I would have had it no other way. But it financially cost a lot. I had to spend, you know, 70 grand trying to buy a brand new bobsled, earn my way back onto the team, find all new sponsors. I was so, you know, honored to have a community here in Carlsbad um, that supported me and that backed me and helped me not only financially, but also just in regards to encouragement, motivation. Like I said, we had applied for citizenship, but it's a long immigration is hard. It's a long process that I have zero control or power over. And it is infuriating sometimes. It's depressing sometimes. Um, you know, it's just, it's so uncertain. And I didn't know up until, you know, two months before the games if, if it was going to come through. And I did have to reside in the fact that it might not. And if it didn't, yeah. it wasn't going to be because I wasn't good enough. I was the current two-time world champion. It wasn't because I didn't work hard enough. It wasn't anything to do with my athletic ability, which for me, as somebody in control and prides myself on my performance, I definitely had a very hard time with. But my husband was there by my side. The community really rallied behind me. This country has. They supported me regardless of what was going to happen. And I had to be prepared if and when it did come through to be ready to compete. And that's what I focused on most. And at the end of the day, we don't always know what happens in our future. And I want people to know sometimes things have to fall apart for greater things to be put in place. And I think hindsight, of course, being 2020, and I can say that now, having it be successful, you know, two months ago, right. I probably it worked. <laughs> would have hit somebody for saying that now. Yeah. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes the worst things that happen to us aren't always for bad. It's for, you know, it can be for really good and it can lead us down a really good path. And we need to stay positive. We need to continue to work as hard as we possibly can be the best versions of ourselves and, and have faith and trust that it's all going to work out. So, Kaylee, you mentioned your husband and all the support that you got from the community. What was the reaction like from fellow competitors? Um, hit and miss. I would say they're definitely, I have some competitors that were beyond happy and proud. They, you know, they feel that the Olympics should be the best of the best representing. At the end of the day, it shouldn't have ever been passport or my safety. The best should be there regardless. And um, you know, there were a couple of Germans that were super ecstatic and a couple that I knew were real mad and we still don't talk. And it's the same within the Canadian program. Um, you know, I definitely have friends and I definitely have enemies. You learn very quickly in those scenarios uh, right. which people actually care for you and which don't. But that's part of life, I think. 
Yeah, Kaylee, in Kaylee Humphreys, U.S. bobsledder is with us, four-time Olympic medalist, earned gold in Beijing in the monobob. Uh, I want to talk about that in a minute, but speaking of friends, you and Elena Myers-Taylor have been friends. You went to each other's weddings. Um, how wild is it to compete against someone and have a great relationship despite those battles and then become teammates, and you're still competing against each other but as teammates now? What a fascinating relationship. It sure is. I mean, Alana has been there. We've, been, we've shared podiums. For, you know, the last four Olympics, both her and I have been in. She knows better than anybody. We're the only two to have shared all four podiums. And she knows better than anybody what it feels like. And I know, just like she does, what it feels like to go through the pressures, the stresses, um, having to compete for your country, becoming an older athlete now and still performing with a target on your back. And so um, through trials and tribulations, there's definitely a lot of commonalities. At the end of the day, she's one that stood behind me, and she more than anybody wanted me to be able to compete in a safe place. So yeah, when I was first great. thinking about coming over to Team USA, she was the first person I called just to make sure it would it would be okay. And, you know, from the competitor side and from the female side, she had said, yeah, as long as you're in a safe place. And it, it definitely has changed our relationship, but I think it's making us stronger. I mean, there's times when we don't talk, and there's times when, again, if I can't be on the top of the podium, I hope it's her, and I know it's vice versa. She pushes me to be better. I push her to be better. Competition is stiff, and we've had to learn how to navigate being teammates as well as competitors. But at the end of it, we're friends. And as long as we put Team USA first, as long as we don't let our you know, emotions and feelings in the moment overtake what it is we want to achieve, we've both been able to build a really great relationship around building female empowerment and sport, especially with them bobsled and creating equality. And we have the women's yeah. monobob now because of the work her and I have done, and we couldn't have done it alone. It took both of us really advocating and pushing and breaking down those barriers together. And so when we were able to focus on, you know, the things we could accomplish together instead of the competitiveness and, you know, the, the things that would have driven us apart, I think that's what allowed us to um, stay competitive, but also remain friends. Fitz, uh, just we got to let you go, but uh, Fitz and I really wanted to ask about the monobob. It's fairly new. It's exclusive to female athletes. What does it mean to be the first to win gold in it? Oh, I mean, it's amazing. Something I've fought so hard for to bring more equality to women's bobsled. Um, to know my name goes down in history as the first one ever. No one can ever take that away from me. Feels absolutely amazing. And, um, you know, I think just having more opportunity for women with our sport and creating equal medal opportunity is huge. So I'm yeah, super proud of so all the women cool. that competed. Kaylee, you're such a badass, and I'm so yeah, impressed. And really you really set Kayla. a standard for everybody to follow and at personal potential risk, and it all, it all worked out with gold, which is just so cool to see. Congrats on everything, and thanks for coming on with us. Congrats, Kaylee. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Kaylee Humphreys, you can give her a follow at Bobsled Kaylee, K-A-I-L-L-I-E. Coming up on Spain and Fitz, what are your most delusional thoughts as a fan of your NFL team? And what should I do in Arizona without baseball? It's next. Happy Friday! You're listening to Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Keeping an eye on the debut of James Harden tonight with the Sixers and of course you know it's just the first game plenty of time for the pieces to gel and for us to really get a feel for what it's going to look like but 
We're going to talk about it a lot. We're going to get into it. We're going to we're going to get into his eight points on two of four shooting and his his one three-pointer so far and his one rebound. Every little bit of this game is going to get dissected. Right now the Sixers are up 40-27 on the T-Wolves with uh, 10 to play in the second. So very early fits. But um, you know this will dominate uh, all the conversation on SportsCenter and everything tonight and tomorrow. And so far uh, – you know, you got you got Joel Embiid doing his thing with 10 points, and you got James Harden in there with eight. Yeah, and that's, I mean, working out brilliantly for them. Like, that's what you want to see is everything looking effortless and everybody getting theirs and everybody getting fed in the process. Like, that's best-case right. scenario. But like, uh, like we've been saying all night, that's great while well, it's working. Let's see what happens the first time, you know, the, the first time there's a little issue or one of them's cold or one of them wants the ball at the end of the game. Some more cleanup from the show. I did mention those top five local markets with the highest local TV ratings in the NBA. We already said the Nuggets are the lowest, 0.19, the lowest local ratings of any NBA team in 15 years. But rounding out the bottom five, I won't have you guess. I'll just tell you. Uh, the Nuggets are the lowest, followed by Orlando Magic, second to oh, last. that makes sense, yeah. Then the Clippers on Valley Sports Southern California, right, right, uh, right there. The Brooklyn Nets on the Yes Network. Wow. And then, yeah, and then the Charlotte Hornets. So interesting that the Nets absolutely not drawing at all. Um, Maybe the most surprising of the bunch in there. Um, Some more cleanup also. uh, Call me crazy here, and maybe I'm a weirdo, but when we came back from break a couple segments ago and you were introing a topic – I felt like we got a little hint of what it would sound like if you made a mixtape and you became a rapper. I don't know why. The way it just hit me, it had me thinking that you might need to, you know, I know you have a song coming up soon to pay off the bet that you lost to me. Um, And you mentioned that you would not be rapping in it. But I thought this might convince you that you might want to have some sort of uh, hip hop interlude in it because this, this, I think you were really selling this. Here's what it sounded like. Right? You sounded like you were just going to drop something fire. And it might oh, just man. be that that's obviously a sick beat, but like you oh, timed man. it just perfectly. You came in like you were about to give us some bars. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Sarah. I did an intro song for our digital Super Bowl show and I, I finished it. I had to walk from where the piano was set up down to the set of the show. And so I had to be away from an instrument. So I wrote some, you know, as the kids say, some bars uh-huh. to get me there. Some bars. What and are the bars? The, Let's hear the, the bars. Uh, the, the reaction I got from the co-host, I, d- I made sure that uh, Scooby McGezzin and Gary Streisky were my co-hosts on it. I made sure that neither of them heard it. But I will tell you, I had originally written it with Mike Golick Jr. in mind. Obviously, that didn't uh, end up being the right. case. But I sent him the work tape to it. Mike's first response to me was, oh, my God, you got bars. And then when I did it okay. live, I, I walked in and Scooby was like, I had no idea. You, all you got to do is, is say it really quickly and angrily. And suddenly people think you got bars. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I feel like Jason Fitz featuring Scooby and Gary. is a That sounds good. Scooby, sounds by the good. way, great guy getting a dog and uh, what makes me really happy about that is he has already told me that the dog will be named Scrappy. So his actual oh, given Scooby name and is Scrappy. Scooby and it'll be Scooby Scoops and Scrappy. Scraps. Look at that. Love I'm it. Love that. it. We all know I have bars. Uh, the commission rap is a Facts. certified platinum. Facts. Um, I could still rap that entire thing from memory just because when I wrote it, I was just repetitive so much that by the time I did it on the Levitard show the next day,
birthday, it was like ingrained in the back of my mind. So maybe one day the listeners will be lucky enough for me to drop a little commish rap. Mm. Uh, continuing the cleanup on this Friday, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I am in Arizona. Uh, I've wasted all my time doing this show with you. The sun is now down. I can't appreciate the sunny weather, but I've got the next nine days to do so. Or 10, maybe. And there's no no baseball. Uh, Jesse Rogers reporting today that officially all the games at spring training are off through at least the 7th, which is the day I leave. So what shall I do here? We asked the folks on Twitter, and uh, Mike Mountains was very helpful. He said, go to California. Uh, that is usually what I do instead of coming to Arizona. But I'm in <laughs> Arizona. Um, at DF Oliver 68 go to a Coyotes game. I hear they will pay you to attend. Oh uh, that's God. funny, but we know that's not true because they can't afford to pay their rent, so they're not mm. paying anybody anything, especially not me. They just um, send you a link and ask you to pay part of their tax bill. They, they do. They do. They actually have a, like, they have a, a GoFundMe uh, where you buy your tickets <laughs> and then also help them pay for the people to clean the ice that night in between periods. Uh, I also got a lot of spa, golf, casino, Mexican food. Go to a Suns game, which could be fun, obviously. Uh, hiking, I will do a Grand Canyon road trip. I'm going to be at the Grand Canyon next month, so I'm going to go ahead and wait on that. And then Sogoro National Forest, I actually, um, that's one of my hiking spots. There's this awesome lake that doesn't feel at all like Arizona. So I got, I got some good options, Fitz. I mean, essentially, if you go to spring training and there is no training, then it's basically spring break, and I think we all know I, that's in my wheelhouse. I know yeah. what to do. A spring break is very much in your wheelhouse. I'm still <laughs> trying to figure out the hiking thing. Like, seems way easier to force one of your friends to give you, like, a piggyback ride uh, up the mountain. Like, <laughs> a lot less work that way. Just hoping in case you hadn't thought of it. Uh, Fitz, I actually wanted to ask you, did you ever go to actual, like, a real spring break? Like, the kind that you would see on MTV? Or did you and your friends ever get to go to, like, Cabo no, or something in high school no. or college? Never did any of that. No, no, no I, I did a so. post graduation party in, in you, high school. You could have brought beach your week. fiddle. I did a beach week thing that was uh, what I remember of it was quite fun, but that wasn't like spring break. That was post graduation. So yeah, you know, that, that's, I never that's got to do it either. We didn't. We didn't do that. Like high school, we didn't do that. And then college, we I do had a uh, Spain and Fitz beach oh. like like. Spain yes, and Fitz we, spring we break should. Spain and Fitz. We, we should oh. absolutely. Oh, we That's could amazing. just do like a, a Jenny McCarthy single doubt, but for like old people, like yes. only divorcees. <laughs> just yeah, I mean, get real weird with it. And, and we could build like instead of going to an actual beach, we could just do like a little area in Chicago where there is some sand and we'll call that yeah. the beach and we'll make you know, that we work. have like, beaches here. You yeah, know, I, I mean, we have in yeah, Chicago. But I think beach, real like, usually beaches. I think like sun and like, you know, like. Ocean. Right, right. Well, depending on the time of year, we also have some of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, thank you for the suggestions, folks. Um, I'm sure you'll find on my Instagram feed, you'll, you'll discover a lot of what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not a woman of mystery. <laughs> I will never be mysterious. <laughs> I talk too much. Uh, but uh, the other thing we asked you was your NFL delusions. There's a story up on Football Outsiders. It's pretty funny. I, I recommend checking it out. The headline is 32 NFL fan bases, 32 fan delusions. And it lays out what the delusion is and what the reality is for instance, um, the Cleveland Browns, everything the Browns do is part of some Paul DePodesta galactic brained plan that mere mortals cannot comprehend reality. The Browns are completely caught off guard by every minor setback. <laughs> um, it, it, there's some good ones in here. Houston, the Texans are a professionally run organization and the whole Jack Easterby thing is just narrative reality. Oh, nice. The Texans are the manger babies deal with it. Um, so we asked you for some of your delusions. I'll admit to mine, Fitz. Mine is that the Bears are the next Bengals, and this new coaching staff means that Justin Fields will be the next Joe Burrow, and they'll be in the Super Bowl in a year or two. No, I like that. That's a good delusion. I'll take that. Thank um, you. I think for me with the Raiders, I'm going to go Derek Carr takes a discount to stay on a 
reasonable <laughs> short-term extension, and then Devontae Adams becomes so excited about that that he also takes a discount to come play in Vegas. The two of them reunited, making the offense explosive. And then, obviously, the Raiders, for once, don't make me call out the name of somebody in the first round of the draft when I'm doing that work that I've never heard of before. That's all. <laughs> like a, that, that's my delusion. That is delusional. Uh, we got a couple good ones. Ryan W151, finding Big Ben's replacement will only take two years at the most. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, at Bentwich B, I'm a Jets fan. No delusions here. My hopes are adequately crushed, uh, which sounds <laughs> a lot like Dale O. Harris. Vikings fans really aren't that delusional. To the contrary, we spend our entire lives imagining the worst case scenario and then watching it happen over and over and over. Oh, that is that, deeply that depressing. Yeah. Uh, Steve Blair says the Chargers will go back home to San Diego. Oh, Steve. Oh. I wish that would happen. I, I wish that I, would I do. Fun. That'd be nice. Uh, and then McGill. I'm a Washington Durs fan, which is funny, oh, you know. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm delusional that Dan Snyder learned his lesson and won't sell a skunked beer anymore. Yeah, that is delusional. He's going to sell you that beer, and your stadium's going to fall apart, and everything's going to be terrible. Of go all the Durs. lessons Dan needs to learn, that's not <laughs> the, the highest of them. 